investigating, doing the survey, spending all the time doing pricing and financial analysis and role playing and going to the verification meeting, solution meeting, and then getting stuck. And being stuck in that we feel like there's really nothing that we can do. We've tried everything at this point and um, working a lot. So those, next slide, Drew. Sorry. So those are going to be the roadblocks. So things that after you go through the verification meeting and the solution meeting, things that when it feels like it's really out of our control and there's nothing that we can do. So today we want to look at those, identify how they mask themselves and um, share red flags that um, with your experiences that you've learned to identify to prevent um, those um, stalls or roadblocks from happening um, or to course correct as you go along. So one of the ways that um, I think that it gets masked and feels like a roadblock that we're just stuck is whenever you go to a verification meeting, then a solution meeting, um, and you get no answer. Or um, you get ghosted. Whatever the case may be, they say maybe, or call me back next week and then you never hear from them again. So it feels like kind of out of your control. So I want to open it up to the group and... Um, here are some of the ways that you have prevented that from happening or what you do in the moment whenever you get no decision or the root cause. So for anybody that's been in that position and has gotten stuck with a maybe or you're just not getting that yes or no, let's hear from some of you. I do the takeaway. Okay. So, uh, I just figured I'd get the party started rather than having a big 30-second silence. Uh, so I go present, and uh, I mean, I just did this, well, I guess it was a week before Thanksgiving. Uh, so it's been about 30 days since I proposed, and I was like, is there any reason you want to move forward? They're like, no, this all looks great. And then I touched, I touched base about two weeks in. Uh, or, I'm sorry, this would have happened a month ago. Anyway, I did the takeaway the week before Thanksgiving, and I ended up getting them to sign a contract. So uh, when you do the, hey, look, I haven't heard anything from you. You were interested. I don't know if something's throwing it off, but let me go ahead and take this off the table until after the holidays, you know, maybe the new year, and it kind of forces their hand. So they're either going to either gonna sign or they're going to go, hey, man, yeah, that's probably a good idea, but at least you you're not left wondering what's going on. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate you for bending the 30 seconds of silence. Thanks for jumping in. I, this Have you ran into a situation where... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and I, I was just talking with Andrew about this. We just finished doing some role-playing right before this get-together is the value of the concept meeting where we're all trying to get a customer or a prospective client interested in what we do. The other part of that meeting is qualifying them and finding as many of those roadblocks early because I'm a big believer in fail early. Don't spend a lot of time with somebody that isn't playing ball with you. For example, you go through the flip book and they're not talking at all. They have no issues. Uh, no, I don't have any problem with this or that. They won't sign an action plan. These are all red flags. 
and how I coach my guys is if, you know, they won't commit to that type, they won't make those preliminary commitments, the timing isn't right. And I encourage my guys to just say the timing isn't right. Let me check back with you in uh, three months or so. Because as a former MSR, when I didn't do that earlier in my career, I ended up going down a lot of blind alleys. Um, so that's, that is one of the values of the concept. Thanks, Marty. Uh, one thing I've done when we get held up at the end of the process is just try to use the timing of the year to move people along. Um, you know, I got one last beginning of November just by simply telling them, hey, if we don't get this done in the next, you know, in the first 10 days of November, we're going to have to push this. It's going to throw off our timing for the program, you know, as, as we try to get this set to time up the heating visits and the, the cooling visits. So, Sometimes you can use um, time of year to help push, especially if you've got something that it looks like it's going to go. Also, even if you're not using the action plan, using the date. Yeah, uh, well, yeah one second, Todd, Corey, go ahead and finish your point, then you can jump um, in after Corey. Having that, date that they're, having that date that they're going to move ahead on is super, super important. So. That's part of the steps in the action plan is what date are you looking to actually implement this, the implementation date. So if we have that date and then we go back to them and we're like, okay, well, you fired your current contractor and you have nobody here to support you, are we moving ahead? Or did you not fire your contractor? Have you not made any plans and you just like what you see, but you're not ready to pull the trigger? That's our fault for not setting it up properly. So if we're in that, that state right there where we're at that roadblock of maybe, what's the date? Easy question. Hey, Corey, you're spot on. I'll just jump in just a couple of different ideas. Um, so you're at your verification meeting, and it appears they want to move forward. What do you want to – great question is, what do you want to start? Please, with Trotter, we start on the first of every month. We get going on December 1st, January 1st. Great. Who's going to sign? That will help triangulate the answer as far as do you have the right people in the room? Because if it's a name or an individual you've never heard of, you've got a problem, right? Uh, and then you can ask the usual stuff. Do you want to be billed monthly or quarterly or however that's going to work out? Uh, and one, of, one mistake I think all reps make or most reps make is they don't ask for the business. They don't personally say, have I done enough to earn your business? Have we reached an agreement yet? And then we sit on our hands for an answer. We're getting some reaction to that, Todd. That's a, that's a great point, Todd. So for the MSRs on the call, can you give us some of the lines that you're using regularly to ask for that sale? What, what are some of the ways that you're closing that, you know, verification meeting and really asking for the business so I say this a lot I'm a simple guy so I keep things simple and it, it's very it's a simple phrase you know Julie have I done enough to earn the business and I wait for a response I think it's really powerful when we look at somebody face to face and ask them have I done enough have I earned your business it's 
it's hard to say no. It really is. People don't want to disappoint people. And that powerful ask, as simple as it might be, I keep it simple. It's not a complicated thing. I hate complicated. Most people do. So I have to keep it simple. Do we have a deal? I mean, you know, again, come up with your whatever you're comfortable with. And most people I've learned are not comfortable asking for the business. And I think that's a huge mistake. And then from there, it's all downhill. Or downhill, because if they've got, well, we need to find out what's behind that well. Because there's some objection we haven't overcome, or there's some obstacle we, we have not uncovered or we have not been told about. So, so those are my two cents. And then the well, the last thing is, if we have agreement, are you going to be able to sign my paper when I come back tomorrow or the next day or whenever? No legal has to look at it. Well, at least in my old days of selling a lot or selling routinely, I had a copy, kind of a sample copy of our agreement that had all the terms and conditions in it. Well, here, this is a sample agreement. It has all the T's and C's. That way, you don't have to wait for the delivery. They can get going on it today in anticipation of a signature in two, three, four, five, six days. So, <clears throat> I just found out knowing that ahead of time makes life a lot simpler and not more complicated. So, those are my two cents. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll say I agree with Todd that I sometimes the two maybes I get the most are uh, the board needs to vote on it or it has to go to legal or head office and someone from there needs to sign off on it. Yes, we want to move ahead, but we're delayed because of these two uh, reasons. So when that happens, I usually tend to paint the picture of what happens on our end as soon as they sign. So one, we need to organize labor. Two, we need to set up your account. It needs to go through dispatch. It needs to go to our service coordinator. And I talk about what happens from the time that they sign to the time that we start. And then that sometimes puts them at ease, like, wow, there's a lot to go into uh, setting up the account and getting things going. And, okay, I, I need to do some work on my end. And, and, and then it shows that there's a mutual respect and a mutual amount of, of uh, setup that needs to happen. And that usually gets them kind of moving in that direction. Good point. When are you having that conversation? Usually, right after I say, "When would you like to start? December first or January first? When, when, what date do you want on the contract that we're signing?" And they typically will say, "Oh, well, let's make it January first. I make. I just need to get a, a, a board to say yes, or, or head office and legal to, to sign off." And I say, "Great, I'll make it for January first. Okay, when am I coming back to to get a, a signature?" And so they, I, I, I say, "Hey, we've agreed upon a start date." Now let's agree upon uh, the, the signing date, Even if, uh, right after they've said yes. Are you having that initial con uh, conversation during the concept meeting, or is this during the verification? No, it's it's all throughout. I'm 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 always kind of closing at the various different stages, even in the you know in the concept meeting. Um, so you're always just kind of re reaffirming, and 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 by the time you get to the solution meeting. Or the verification meeting, it's it's already it's all the table's already set, and now you you as, as Todd said, you you don't get that hesitation. It's just like, yeah, I like what I see. Okay, let's move forward, and this is what we need to do. 
here's what happens after you say yes. And now I'm, instead of becoming a prospect, you're a customer. Now this is what, how we treat our customers and this is how we set you up for success. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Todd mentioned something else that I would love to get y'all's input on how you handle. So if you are in a meeting and someone's just not giving you very much information, but they're still agreeing to go through the process, what do y'all do um, to help uh, identify what's going on in their world to figure out a reason why they should be going through the process? So they would say they're going to go through the process, they'll give us the cost, and they'll go through, but really there's not a lot of pain, but a lot of new reps will keep going through that process, just, you know, for lack of knowing maybe they shouldn't, or whatever it may be. What are some of the things that y'all have learned in your experience that you can share with new reps that you've done to um, pause and figure out why they should be going through the process? So, you know, on the client profile at the very the very last of it, there's something called objectives. I think there's like nine things listed. It's not part of the executive summary. I wish it was, but if I have found that if you use objectives, you can sometimes get people to pick something that you have no idea why they did. Why'd you pick this one? Because we haven't talked about operating problems or lost productivity. Tell me more. Uh, and then I'd always like to ask, what do you like best about your current contractor? Start with the positive. And then if you could get them to do anything differently or have them change something, what would that look like? And just, you know, sit on your hands and listen. That's great while, advice. You're going to get a nugget. You're going to get a nugget you can work with. That's great advice, Todd. Hey, I saw Tammy, you're nodding your head. You want to add anything to what Todd's talking about here? Hey, guys. Um, bit of a squeaky voice, so... Uh, and when Todd's talking, this is totally off subject, but it's like watching Michael Scott from The Office because of his phone camera. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I just think it's... Sometimes you can talk to somebody and there's very little engagement. And you, you do get a signature because that's just their disc personality type. Um, and a lot of times they don't know what they don't know. So you go on their roof and you have these great pictures and, and then you get more buy-in at the next stage. So sometimes you do have to, to take that gamble and roll that dice. Um, but I, I think... It's, I think a lot of it, too, is being vulnerable, like, through all the stages and letting them know, hey, you know what, guys, I've gotten ghosted. It really sucks. We're both putting in a lot of time and engagement. And I don't want to, you know, as a professional courtesy, um, let's agree that, you know, what's a respectful date for a follow-up or what's a, you know, we're going to review this date. If anything comes up, just talk to me because we both put so much time and engagement into this. Uh, let's be respectful of that and let them know that ghosting sucks. And I think 
like uh, I don't know if it was Todd or Marty saying that people want to help other people I think sometimes that helps them not ghost you because they're like oh yeah she said or, or to let them know hey guys I'm okay with a no but and just have that conversation right up front or throughout the process but you bring up a very good point Tammy that you have to bring it up so to say um, I'm okay with a no is an extremely scary thing for a new rep to say to ask a question that you don't know the answer to is an extremely scary thing for a new rep so when we're sitting in front of somebody and we're, we're asking those questions and Todd said you know sit on your hands and wait yeah that is so awkward silence is horrible when you don't know what's going to come on the other side of it but once we've been around for a little while you understand those questions are are horrible to ask at the beginning but the information you get from them is unbelievable so to sit and just be quiet and say um you know when are you planning to move ahead let them like just let them sit there wait it's it's their agreement we can't dictate the terms and we certainly can't go in and just dump a whole bunch of canned information on them and then expect to have all the answers to fill out the client profile. It will never, ever happen like that. We have to ask the hard questions in order to get the, the right answers out of it. Yeah, and Corey, if I keep getting yes, or if I feel like it's too too easy through the beginning stage of the process, uh, what I usually do is, is I take it back and say, hey, when was the last time you made a change? You know, tell me about that process. Why did you make that change? So now you understand their process, who's involved, and what a successful change was, as opposed to it being super easy and you kind of saying, hey, my spidey senses are up, this is getting too easy, they're just saying yes, 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 maybe I'm not uncovering enough. So you want to qualify, but then you also want to say, hey, what, what happened last time you changed? Who was it with? Why did you do it? How did that process work? And now all of a sudden you try and mirror that and maybe you pull something out, a pain point out that you didn't get before, because they were in that mindset of making a change, and now they are. You're bringing them back to that successful change, which is a lot of times what we are. We're a change agent. We're in there to replace a current vendor with something better. And uh, and so if you can mirror what they did last time, then you're off to the races. And you just identified their buying process. Great job, Rob. Great stuff here, Fawn. I just want to mention to everybody who might not have their chat open, uh, three masters of the trade just explained to you their variations of using the client profile and the objectives on the back of the client profile. And so Drew put the link to the tool in the chat for you all because he's cool like that. Thanks, Drew. Yeah, sure, Kelly. And, and to add to that, I'm sharing it on my screen, the, the, the exact point where Todd was referencing it's on the back page here. So if you go to that back page, operating objectives, this is something great to put in front of the customer and ask, is any of these important to you? That's what he was specifically referring to, but, but if you haven't looked at the tool in a while, it's a great tool to learn some questioning to prepare for during the concept meeting. I think identifying the objectives during the concept meeting is probably one of the most critical pieces of it, of the process to help make sure that 
you're going to have a successful process because um, you know what they need and what um, what to look for as you're going through the survey and what to really focus on during the verification meeting and to just ensure alignment. Um, I know everyone handles it different. We'll put the, the client profile in front of the customer and ask them to pick. Um, some people just ask, would love to hear how y'all um, – identify or confirm what their objectives are? What's the verbiage or the process you use? I guess my question is, are, are you actually putting this client profile in front of the client? Are, are, is anybody actually doing that? No, okay. In the Lacey Office of Trotter we are. So you're going That's through the- That's what I'm teaching Stasha to do. So you're- Okay, so let me understand. So you're going through the flip book and you're actually, in addition to that, getting all of these questions answered and having them go through these objectives? So, so what I'm teaching Stasha is to pull out the client profile and specifically the operating objectives. I, we're not going through question by question. I'm teaching her to go back before she leaves the parking lot to answer as many questions as she can based on the conversation and then document what did we miss? What did I wish I would have asked? Because in the uh, timeline, uh, we are setting aside or attempting to set aside five minutes before the roof for the site walk for follow-up questions. Because inevitably, you look back, dang it, I wish I would have asked this. Why didn't I ask that? Well, if we can set aside three to five minutes before we jump on a roof, it's the, it's the best time to do it. I found in my history of doing this. So, um, and then with those operating objectives, I can tie those back into the, the pictures we've taken. I, we, I call them HVAC for, there's a long story for that. So, uh, but we can tie the dirty pictures we find back to their objectives and asking them, how are these, how's the condition of your equipment meeting these objectives you've, you've, uh, you've stated to me? Yeah, they're not. But aren't these... Uh, you've got, you've got a, that's a powerful pivot to moving forward with a new agreement, so... Aren't you covering in the flip book under challenges and trends, aren't you covering these operating objectives already? And aren't you able to identify three, you know, two or three or four and uncover this during that process of the flip book? Matt, I, I understand your question. Um, it's indirectly yes, but directly no. At least that's my take on it. And so uh, to Corey's point earlier, if we don't learn to ask more difficult questions, we're not going to get very far, to be honest with you all. It's the hard stuff that we have to make easy to get good at this um, and to be really good at this. And it's hard, and it takes practice. So I've learned over my years, if I can, and I'm not, can't say I'm great at this or consistent, but if you can find a way to ask the same question three ways, you can triangulate the answer and get to the heart of the issue. And so asking these operating objectives is just one more way to ask the same question in a different format. And it's surprising that you get different answers based on how you ask the question. And this takes practice and a lot of practice. Um, 
That two cents is worth gold. There's gold nuggets in those two cents. <laughs> Not to get bogged down in the details too much about this, but so are we supposed to pull it out or recommended to pull it out, you know, at the back page of the flip book where we're already into the setting up the verification meeting? Or are you recommending pulling this out before you pull out the flip book? Or like where in the process are we talking about these operating objectives so we've got an action plan this, this is how i've trained stasha training stasha there's an action plan in place it's signed and there's a couple more details i need to cover and one of them is the operating objectives page it's the last thing i taught her to do because i think it could be powerful um so that's where we're choosing to do it. where you choose to do it i don't know that it really matters that's just where i'd like to do it in the past Kind of that last little nugget, if you will. So. Okay, great. Thanks, thanks, Todd. I think Corey's got something to add there too, Corey. Right. So I, I'm going to use a story to answer that question, Matt, because we we went through a period about oh, I don't know, probably five or six years ago, where our principal got on this kick about using the link tools and how we didn't use them, and a contract got sold, and we put it through the mill. Um, we wouldn't get paid for it unless all the supporting documentation. So the client profile had to be there. The action plan had to be there. Owning an operating cost worksheet had to be there, et cetera, et cetera, right? And we know those kicks are great in order to get people to utilize the tools, but sometimes it's not realistic. So I got really pissed off one one time that he said that, and I'm like, I already know everything on this stupid client profile. And I literally sat down and I filled out 90% of the client profile, and I'd never used the client profile in the meeting. So the reality is, and I think what Todd's getting at, the reason that you use it with new reps is so that they understand how much we actually have to dig down and get those that information, and then further, how much that information can actually help you in the future. Ideally, you take that client profile and you can carry it. A, a brand new rep could actually carry it with them for every stage of that sales process, because every single stage of the sales process, you're going to get more information, more information, right up to the end. So by the time that we come to a signed agreement, we should have almost a full client profile. Absolutely, it should be there. But you're not going to get it all in after sitting and talking with them for half an hour and then pull out a client profile and go through all the questions. Like, I would be done with you if you did that. I'm, I'm over. But you should be able to ask those questions as a seasoned rep. We should be able to sit in front of them and ask all those questions without ever opening this up. Just like you should actually be able to do a complete executive summary or complete first appointment concept meeting with somebody without ever opening up the executive summary, the flip book, whatever you want to call it. That's an aid. It's there to help. If you understand how to use it, you should never have to use them. I'll chime in on this one. One could argue that certain clients or prospects value that client profile because they've never seen anyone in our industry come in and be that detailed with our questioning and it shows sincerity it shows professionalism it shows that you want to answers to these questions because you're ultimately going to provide something that's valuable for the client because it's based on their answers so when you walk in the door you oftentimes have to make that quick judgment as to whether or not that prospect's going to have the stomach for it or respect it and give you a you know feather in your cap for having that so it's, I think it's a judgment call on the client and what you read out of them. 
Are you ever? I would also, tr- I would also say trust your local leaders because some of it is a little bit cultural to your region, your community, um, and they've they're trying to help you if they're giving you guidelines on what to do with that specific first appointment. And I, I, I agree with pretty much a little bit of everything there. I think you definitely got to use your judgment. Uh, you also got to read the room. If you're walking into a high D, he doesn't really want to be fully quizzed. I also find that they appreciate the note-taking and detail. So if you are there with something and writing down, it will be a plus. I think sometimes you got to kind of pick your questions as you're qualifying. You know which ones are kind of acts that lead towards the pain and kind of do a mixture of being detailed but also very, very cognizant of their time and, and moving or meeting along. And I think that earns you trust and respect and also the, the, gives them the respect of the time. This is kind of a, a specific question to Roger's um, comment about uh, being impressive in front of the client and I, I agree I think it, it would be very impressive are you ever show is anybody ever showing this to the client when it's filled out uh, I don't know how Bill Newton does it <laughs> he's a diamond of multiple diamond and multiple platinum rolling on platinum right now and he does not stray from that client profile he gets it out opens it up lays it out and goes through it with every one of his clients he doesn't use a filter. He, he, you know, this is our process, and we're going through it. <laughs> so. I'll say, I'll jump in here. This is Kelly. I did too, but you have to be fast and furious about it. It has to. You can't repeat any questions that they've already given you the answers to. That's so disrespectful. So it it has to be so practiced, and it's so hard that so many people have moved away from that style in this day and age. People just don't have the time. It's it's disrespectful of their time to sit there and diligently fire slowly question after question after question, right? We call it part, I would rather rely on it more as part of the assessment. Like I think Todd said, when you're jumping into that survey and you realize the questions that you haven't gotten the answers to yet, maybe I could just use the five minutes before we head up to the roof to ask you a few questions because your assessment is not just a survey it's that cost of operations evaluation it's the you know client profile detail history evaluation it's the pictures it's the survey um, equipment list etc so great great advice from Todd there we don't have this form enough uh, like a, a fillable PDF file do we We do not, Andy. Great question and recommendation, though. (laughs) You can order it on the shelf, or you can print the link that I just sent. So the next one 
one was going to be, Drew, you can jump to the next slide, but we really touched on it, um, the, you know, no urgency or timing. They all, I think, go hand in hand with just making sure that you're asking the right questions early, figuring out what their challenges are and what's important to them, and focusing on that um, and qualifying. So we can jump into celebrating wins, and then we'll open it up for Q&A. Yeah, before we uh, jump into celebrating the wins, just a reminder, we got about a month left. Uh, a month left for those of you who are enrolled in the sales program. We have a couple winners that won last quarter. Um, and uh, this is what you have an opportunity to win. And if you don't win next quarter, everybody's tickets still remain. And at Con Ed, can't wait to see all of you, by the way. Uh, at Con Ed, we will pull one grand prize, and this is what the winner will be able to choose from. So wanted to show you that as well. Um, but fun, I'll turn it back to you. Sorry to hijack um, to talk about wins. Okay. And I'll cut the screen share so we can see everybody full screen. Thank you, Drew. So I'll open it up to y'all. Please share uh, some of your wins. We had a company win at uh, Climate and Centennial. We got a uh, maintenance agreement put in place with the with the building and also a controls agreement so i think in total i don't know hundred and fifty thousand dollars uh between the controls and the maintenance so that was a, a good combo win for us Now everyone with the $5,000 deals out there doesn't want to speak up. Come on, those matter too. Bring them out. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll be transparent. Most of that was the controls. Mine was about 7500 there. Woo! <laughs> All wins and maintenance sales are to be celebrated, no matter the size. Does it count if you saved a G? Absolutely, they all count. I, saved a, I, I saved a G with a thermal infrared camera. Oh, nice. They were going to leave us because we had struggled to control their humidity in their sanctuary. And we, you know, made adjustments, changed stats, lead lag, you know, tried to do everything we could. And push was coming to shove, and we said, let's just go do a building envelope inspection with a camera and see if there's any infiltration coming in. Long story short, we found about 120 feet of soffit board that was venting into a con conditioned space. So there was 32, 32.9 degrees red inside the space, up in a corner where there was a void of insulation, which led us to find that there was no vapor barrier put in. Therefore, this thing was, this building was just breathing whatever air it could breathe so in the summer when it's 70 degrees in the space and 95 outside the heat's attracted to the cold comes in and their equipment could not overcome it so it was one of those where i looked at the client and said this is your real issue and let me know when you get it taken care of <laughs> so get outside the box for sure congratulations i'm saving it so I'll jump in for the sake of an example. So there's a, a part of my PMA um, is a bit remote, and there was a salesperson I had here. Some of you may know her. I know Vaughnwell Jennifer, and we started working this area about a year and a half ago. 
he left in the early spring, and since then, um, we've added about $120,000 in base out there, including a $65,000 G at a hospital, and about $400,000 plus in project work. And, you know, less than two years ago, this was nowhere in nobody's purview. So I say all this is that if you have some areas that are a bit remote, probably underserved, um, I found that to be very true, and our message resonated really well that, you know, we're not mom and pop. We're a commercial industrial contractor, probably a lot better suited for the most sophisticated And it just, it's played out in spades for us. And, uh, honestly, there's another, well, I've got another $70,000 plus in proposals waiting for a, uh, approval on. And we're not done. So if you've got some remote stuff, don't walk away from it. Maybe go check it out, look under some rocks and see what you can't find. So it's been productive for me, anyhow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. I didn't have any MSR, so somebody had to do something. So, yeah. Does anybody else close the deal this month? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just had a $15,000 CPM2 yesterday, so that came in. Nice to get it in right uh, before month's end, and uh, yeah, put me over the 900000 mark waited. So I'm, I'm knocking on uh, Gold's door, and uh, I'm definitely going to get across that line. Let's go. You got, do you have any whales in the in the pipeline to maybe hit that diamond? No? Uh, one, but right. it's a long shot, and it's been, uh, it's been dragging on too long. So this is one where I actually uh, I, I sent a voicemail and, and an email with the take back method, method uh, and just yeah the takeaway and say hey let's table this until the new year and let's go for uh, uh, a Christmas lunch and just uh, connect and uh, so hopefully that spurs it on but if that comes in then yeah potentially diamond but I'm not I'm not counting that I'm going I'm going for gold I know it's going to happen I just got to uh, get a few across the line here well, we'll hope for a Christmas miracle for you. <laughs> yeah, In the yeah. meantime, I recommend a Sam on it. You never know which one of these smart people will give you some good advice. Yeah. But you, I know you're a pro, Rob, so I'm sure you're doing everything. Hey, Fawn, it's Tim out of St. Louis. I uh, I got a little $20,000 G contract signed this morning at a 10 o'clock meeting, so I was positive. That's, and, uh, that's huge. That's awesome. That's Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. And then, uh, yeah, I got a verbal in two other locations from Compass Health. This will be our fifteenth uh, <clears throat> location. So January's they're up with their their other vendor, and I got a verbal to sign that today. So good day. That's awesome. Did you say that it's the fifteenth location? Fifteenth location. Yep. Wow, but they've got seventy five, so we're, we're working our way up. Congrats. Thanks. I had my first two sales, um, a 94,000G and then a 16,000C. Did you just say $94,000G? I did, yeah. You were sitting on that one. That's amazing. <laughs> Andy was yelling at me in the other room to say something. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I am Congratulations. so Congrats. That's so awesome. And Andrew, when did you start? Uh, a little over three months ago. Bravo. Woo! Appreciate it. Oh, 
Okay, so I gotta hear a little more. To to what kind of uh, vertical? Uh, manufacturing. They make expansion joints for bridges. Marty, do you want to add anything to that one? Uh, actually, yeah, I guess I will. Um, it was the proverbial being in the right place at the right time. This is a, this company was family owned for many years and they were trying to sell it and they finally sold this company a couple of years ago. Um, and leading up to that sale, they didn't spend any money on anything, including their own production equipment. And the ace in the hole for us was their new engineering manager came from one of our established G accounts. Um, he was an engineer there, but now he's a decision maker, plant manager, engineering manager at this new facility, and he knew what we were capable of doing. And we basically told him, we'll turn this place around, and he agreed. And uh, it was just very powerful. Um, and the other thing here, you know, in any type of environment, whether it's manufacturing, healthcare, it's their fluid in industries. People move around, so it's always important to keep tabs on where you had a happy customer, and this guy moved on or gal moved on. Find out where they went. If they're still in your area, there's a very good chance uh, you've already got one door open that you probably couldn't kick open um, when you've got somebody in your corner. But it was a great sale for us, and it was a GLP, by the way, not a GPM. So. Very proud of Andrew. <laughs> Congratulations, Andrew. Thanks for the detail, Marty. Hey, um, also to add to what Marty said, don't hesitate, MSRs, to ask your dispatchers to let you know if a decision maker that they're used to contacting has moved to another location. So if you let your dispatchers know that you're looking for that information, they'll start feeding that information toward you, and those are great leads when someone moves to a different building or job. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, I, never, I didn't even think of asking that question of them, so that would, that would be helpful. I don't know if all companies are open to this, but back in May, March, April, May, somewhere in that region, we started refusing spot calls to non-contract customers. And it's drove $250,000 worth of agreements through the door. <laughs> so you, 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 re, you um, experience a little resistance and a little strong arm, you know, perception from the customer. But when you explain why they understand, you know, I can't pull my resources to come run your service calls for people that are on contract with us. And it has driven lots of business. What? I appreciate that, um, Roger, and we'll talk about that on the on the sales leader call tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, not much the MSRs can do themselves to kind of implement that kind of authority, but the sales it's, leaders tomorrow might be interested in that comment. Yeah, it's something to talk about internally for sure, because management said, "Well, that backfired," because now we have to run their maintenance, their trouble calls, and <laughs> everything. So. 
it wasn't just one service call. Now we wrapped it into a new client. So, you know, it's it works. I think as MSRs, I think that obviously what everybody has to be on the same page within a company. But I think as MSRs, I mean, I, I come across that question, and there's times that I know that we're so dang busy that sometimes I hate to send a spot call out, but that's yeah. something definitely to consider. And, you know, obviously conversation within, you know, each of our own separate organizations. Yeah. And, you know, it, it follows the business model that Link puts out there. Your business should be driven for PMs. And if you're running your ass off on spot, taking care of those spot customers and they're not signing up and committing a partnership with you, then it kind of goes against the grain of what we're all being taught. Yeah, I think shame on anybody who's not taking advantage of spot calls and, like, working those and seeing if they can work a deal. But, I mean, we definitely have spot spot customers that we don't we don't want them as agreement customers. You know, call right. the black plants and uh, things like that. Like, we're okay just milking those guys for T&M and not, uh, you know, not having to be committed to a, a PM agreement. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think the new reps definitely go – try and work the spot calls and see if you get something out of that. How about some uh, December tips in the last few minutes from a lot of the very successful, gosh, there's some diamond, a lot of diamond board winners on this call. So what what are some um, things that you say to your prospects to get them to uh, move over the edge in December or just December sales tips? End of year, end of fiscal, Holiday time. Anything you do every year with everyone who's in your pipeline or everyone who's in your customer base, anything that your company does that you think has been super appreciated. I worked with a lot of industrial and manufacturing um plants obviously in detroit and it's a use it or lose it time of year too so if their budgets are coming to an end and they don't spend it they're they risk their budget being lowered the next year right um so it's a use it or lose it time rob i see you nodding your head you want to add to that a little bit yeah uh we can target especially if you know uh in your qualifications when the fiscal year is I do a lot of munis in school districts, so it varies from July to October. But the ones that change over in January, definitely start talking to them about it in November as you're discovering things and going through the process. And the user to use it is definitely there. They're trying to spend the money. Uh, and you can kind of focus on those particular customers. And if you get them before Thanksgiving, some of them have a little break in November. When they come back, that should be priority number one. And start getting them on that Monday after that that, that week and, and try to push it home. Uh, yeah, and, and backtracking a little bit, I didn't get a chance to, to chime in on the spot deal, but I'm kind of with the using spot as an advantage. I, I bring it up because we're finding here the customer seems to be using spot too as a way to kind of test run, see the service, see the response. Uh, it's a 
good way to earn some trust. Uh, you can really pamper them there, and then that follow-up comes, kind of gives them a preview of how, you know, we do business, our methodology, and then you can just hit them over the head with the, the maintenance. Uh, the one slight thing we do, we don't deny them, but we do tell them if you call, I can't guarantee you two hours, I can't guarantee you four hours, we'll definitely try and get to you, but it might be the next day, the day after, because priority does go to the contract customers as it would you if you was a contract customer and they tend to respect that uh, but sorry for the backtrack there but I did want to throw that in there And uh, uh, but yeah we do push it at the end of the year we want to push right now uh, and I think the cutoff is like what December 15th, December 10th when most people get scarce and so we kind of push that too to get them ahead of the ball Thank you for jumping in and adding that. Like, we have a, a question from uh, Cam. Uh, any tips for overcoming the uh, the old "call me in the New Year" objection? Or, Cam, were you commenting on Rob's point about this being a good time of year? I might have read that wrong. No, no, I was just asking just for. Newer, newer rep here uh, when I'm cold calling just when you do get the objection right now probably in the new year call me after the holidays what have you guys have been doing this for a while typically say to overcome that and still set an appointment you can always take it another step what is it exactly why after the first of the year they probably say something we're busy or whatever and sometimes I'll use I, I know you're you know you're busy now you'll probably be busier then too why can't we just do it now I don't know if something like that would work specifically for that but once again just find out what their specific reason is obviously you always want to be respectful of of their time too but maybe push just a little harder just a suggestion this is pretty greasy but we've used it up here where how about I bring you a holiday latte or a Starbucks Christmas peppermint foo-foo whatever drink and depending on the person sometimes like yeah let's get together for a coffee so sometimes the holiday that works so I, I will say this one thing that I kind of preach always has been you want to do something to try and be successful today tomorrow next week next month next quarter uh, in some of those cases, you know, being respectful, he's kind of telling you, hey, whatever you got going on or he's trying to get out of there, he might not have his attention. Next, after the beginning of the year, get your next year off good, I would suggest trying to set a date. Hey, Mr. Customer, man, I hear that a lot. I know you're trying to get out of here. In fact, my January is already starting to pack up. Can we set a tentative date for blah, blah, blah? and start filling that calendar up so after the holidays you get off running and you, hopefully he'll be rested and you can get his full attention at the meeting so take it as a positive uh, sometimes set of a put on I think it's key to empathize with people to say hey I get it it's a busy time of year we're all pretty busy but you know what maybe if we get together now it'll actually make January less busy so you know it actually might benefit us I know it's busy, let's squeeze something in, start the process, 
so that your January isn't as busy and, and we accomplish something, something before the end of the year together. And then all of a sudden you put yourself in their shoes and their boots, we're both busy, let's do something together so that we feel good and make a decision now. I kind of treat December like I do Fridays where I'm talking to decision makers, let's make a decision now before the weekend, before we all go on vacation or whatever you've got planned for, for family time. Uh, let's make a decision now and then so it'll make it actually less busy later and it'll be productive and you, you feel good about going with the holidays as opposed to having another, 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 another meeting at a busy first couple of weeks in January. Marty, you were going to chime in there? Oh, looked like he was saying bye then. How about a new idea? How about using our uh, technology or virtual? How about send, um, okay, I'll send you, is it okay if I send you over if your company has um, the, the link video customized for your location or something that you can send over and we do a pre-call for 10 minutes so that you know what we're going to talk about when I come in in January, you know, just get a, a little conversation builder call and if you're comfortable virtually maybe a virtual offer or something along those lines we got really good at virtual um, conversations over the last couple of years so maybe they don't want to take the time to let somebody in their office but maybe they'll give you a 10 minutes on the phone to review a video a material something of value to them if you can think of something of value for them Corey did you want to add something when we go shopping at a store and a salesperson comes up to us and says, can I help you with anything? And then we say, no, I'll come and find you if I need anything. And then they continuously come back to us and they keep bugging us and bugging us and bugging us about whether there's anything that you need. I don't know about you guys, but I will walk out of the store because I feel annoyed with the person who's not listening to what I just freaking told you. Here's a novel idea. When somebody tells you I need to book it to the new year, maybe just listen to them and book it in the new year and accept them. Our whole program is based around their wants and their needs, what they specifically require for their company. If we don't listen to them and we try and push, we now just come off as any other greasy salesperson. I like the idea of a coffee. That would change my mind in a second to change my meetings. I like the idea of a 10-minute phone call. Totally. We push too hard. We've lost the lead. Corey, I wanted to say that, but we come off as old curmudgeon sales guys, so that's why I just I just muted my, just got off. Old curmudgeon isn't OG, that's OC. We're OG, brother. I don't think yeah, diamonds, they tell me, I don't they think diamonds get time. old and curmudgeon Diamonds <laughs> don't get curmudgeon If they work. tell me to wait until the next year, I'm waiting until the next year, you know? Absolutely. Like, like, look, I'm busy. I got crap going on. Y'all got crap going yeah. on, and we'll wait till the next year. That's what you want to do. That's fine. I know. I got over a million dollars in my backlog, brother. I got way more than I can deal with right now. So if yeah. you want to wait, let's wait. Yeah. Well, thank you all. I want to be respectful of your time. I appreciate you joining, and um, look forward to seeing y'all in the new year. I don't think we're going to have a roundtable in December because it's so busy, but um, we'll see you back in January. Happy holidays. Thanks. See you guys. Bye. Drew, I'm going to shoot you an email. I was going to email you, Dave. Did he get off? I think he did. Um, I can let him know, though, for you. Okay. Thanks for joining.
No problem. I don't think I'm on the list. Appreciate it. I don't think I'm on the list. Uh, I found out about this one. I think Tim forwarded this to me, but I don't think I get the notifications for all the the roundtables. Okay, what is your, uh, are you, what's your role? 